Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Poetry Says. My name is Alice. I am speaking to you at the end of a very long cold, which has infected most of Melbourne. And so I do apologize for my voice. I'm going to try and keep it short today. But I want to celebrate the fact that after almost a month of freezing cold and driving rain, we have had a couple of days of sunshine. And my jasmine has started to come out and my fruit trees have started to come out in blossom and I'm feeling slightly optimistic that maybe we're through the worst of it. I really, really hope so. So in looking for a poem to talk to you about today, I thought maybe I can talk about convalescence and about poems that talk about illness and recovery. But the only poems that I could find that really did it for me in that vein were once again Jane Kenyon poems, and even I am getting sick of my Kenyon obsession, so I thought I would skip over that. And then I thought, what if I go to a traditional poet, uh, a staple, try to look at a classic, which is something I always intend to do and then chicken out on. And so I picked up my Six Centuries of Great Poetry, edited by Robert Penn Warren and Albert Erskine. Uh, this was a aspirational buy in Mogo, in the south coast of New South Wales, and I've never read it. Um, it has two female poets in anthologized in here. Out of the many, many that are collected, you've got... Emily Bronte, and you've got here Christina Rossetti. That is it out of a 544-page volume. It's very pretty, though. It's a very nice-looking book. Um, And so I was leafing through here trying to find something that might be of interest, and then I remembered that the previous owner had left me a little present in this book. I love it when this happens. Someone has written out a poem and folded it up and put it into a book and forgotten about it. I had a friend who used to work in a secondhand bookshop and she has a collection of these things, old bookmarks, feathers, letters, and poems like this, quotes. And it's just so great when you find it because it's like this connection between you and the previous reader and I thought ah I would actually love to talk about this poem that this person has written out it is not a poem from six centuries of great poetry it is a more modern poem although not modern in 2019 terms it's a poem by E. Cummings which is known by its first phrase in time of daffodils So I thought, okay, that that really works. We've got some sunshine. We've got some flowers. Let's have a look at this Cummings poem. Cummings is not one of my favorites. I find him annoying. Uh, When I first encountered him, it was through the movie In Her Shoes, which is a great movie about Cameron Diaz learning to read. It includes her reading the poem, I Carry Your Heart, at her sister's wedding. It's very moving. 
legitimately it is like you you will get a bit weepy it's a really lovely moment um but that's more sort of traditional everyone knows comings and this poem in time of daffodils is the more annoying difficult to keep track of comings that i find it hard to get into i found this interesting little quote from the U.S. critic and poet Randall Jarrell, who said, No one else has ever made avant-garde experimental poems so attractive to the general and the special reader. I really like that, the special reader. I mean, I would have thought, as somebody who reads a bunch of poetry, that maybe I was a special reader, but Cummings still still doesn't do it for me. Um I don't, I don't find his poems attractive. Uh, I also found out in doing a bit of research around Cummings that he wrote 2,900 poems. That is too many poems. Just going to put it out there. And I realized that he is not, as I had randomly decided, a queer poet. I thought he was a gay guy. He's not. All these love poems are deeply heterosexual. So I was uh, I was corrected on that one and also found out that he was politically a little more conservative than I realized. So all these things started to coalesce to take the shine off Cummings. And then I found this reading. Oh, my God. This recording on YouTube of him reading at the 92Y. My God. He has this huge audience and he keeps them enraptured for over 50 minutes and I have no idea how because he reads like this. Were all we taste as bright, bitter, all utterly things sweet, maggoty minus and dumb death, all we inherit, all bequeath, and nothing quite so least as truth. I say, though hate were why men breathe, because my father lived his soul, love is the whole. And more than all. That's a long hour in my estimation. But as you can hear from the crowd, Cummings was kind of a celebrity at this moment. He was going against what the traditional formalist writers of the 40s and 50s were doing. And he was getting positive attention for that. I'm sure there was a whole bunch of hate coming at him as well. But, um, yeah, he had an audience. He had a readership who was famous in his lifetime, which is sort of a rare thing for a poet. So let's have a look at this Daffodils poem and see if I can convince myself that it's that it's going to win me over. Maybe it'll win you over. Maybe you'll love it first time. Here goes. In time of daffodils, who know the goal of living is to grow, forgetting why, 
remember how, in time of lilacs, who proclaim the aim of waking is to dream, remember so, forgetting seem. In time of roses, who amaze our now and here with paradise, forgetting if, remember yes, in time of all sweet things, beyond whatever mind may comprehend, remember seek, forgetting find. And in a mystery to be, when time from time shall set us free, forgetting me, remember me. So the first thing to note about this poem is that it is following a strict meter and a fairly strict rhyme scheme. It's um, a collection of three line stanzas and they're all in iambic tetrameter. They each have four iams. And at least in the first stanza and the last stanza, you've got some pretty straight rhyme happening there. In the middle, it gets more slant and things are a bit more near rhyme. So I remember going to my poetry group to look at a Cummings poem together and complaining about how it felt all very stream of consciousness and he was just doing whatever the hell he wanted. And they showed me that he is actually using a lot of form in his work that it's all very planned and extremely deliberate. And in this poem, you can definitely see that. It's not as obvious in other poems, but they were totally right. Once we did the close reading of the poem, I realized, oh, there's a, there's a lot of strategy here that I was not seeing before. But yet, there's this playing with syntax, there's this playing with nouns as verbs, verbs as nouns, that really throws you off as you're reading this poem. And The language is so simple, the vocabulary is so simple, that it feels like it should be a straight read. The message is pretty straightforward, right? Remember me in springtime. That's basically what he's saying. And I prefer to read it, I think, as a poem to a friend. I don't love the egotism of that last line, forgetting me, remember me, if it's said to a lover. I think I prefer this as a poem of friendship, a poem of, I'm there for you. Don't forget that you can call on me, even if it's springtime, and even if you're not feeling great, despite the fact that you've got daffodils and lilacs and roses. Because there is, even though he invokes these sweet things, he immediately states that, his interlocutor is forgetting their sweetness and entreating them to remember, remember. That word is in the last line of every stanza, actually. I'm just realizing. So it's a plea to remember him. And like I say, I like to think of it as remembering his friendship or his support maybe to this person in the time of daffodils, in the time of lilacs. There is something about the way he plays with language that I find annoying, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this. And look, I deeply respect the fact that he was messing with forms and going against what people were doing at the time, and the fact that he managed to build an audience around that. That's incredible. Um, We definitely can't discount that 
as a contribution, obviously, but just for me personally, it feels like he's playing a game with language and he's impressed with his own cleverness. Um, there's this fantastic scene in the TV show Girls, which I will splice in here, that addresses this precisely. Hey, man. Hey, 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 hey. I'm uh, just... How, 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 uh, um... Uh, you know, nothing, nothing doing, but... Oh, good, good, good. Look, uh, if you need me to... I, I can, I can just... No, 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 no. No. I didn't just, I'm not, I didn't just... No, I figured with the, with the, uh... Yeah, but it's... Yeah, 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 yeah. Why don't you guys try a few complete sentences? This conversation sounds like a fucking E.E. Cummings poem. Wow. Yeah, that pretty much sums up my feeling about the way that Cummings plays with language. Look, if I'm honest with you, I prefer the Cummings of I carry your heart. Like, I'm into that. I'm sorry to say. But the one thing that really does excite me about this poem is that when I found it and when I read it, I had this light bulb moment of, oh my God, there's a direct line from this poem to one of my very favorites, Totem Poem, introduced to me by the wonderful Louise Carter and written, of course, by Luke Davies. And when I read you the first stanza here, you'll see exactly what the link is. So Totem Poem starts like this. In the yellow time of pollen, in the blue time of lilacs, in the green that would balance on the wide green world, air filled with flux, whirled in a belly, in the blue lilac weather, she had written a letter. You came into my life really fast and I liked it. Killer beginning to an epic poem, obviously, and yeah, really closely mirrors the language of this Cummings poem, In Time of Daffodils, In Time of Lilacs. Uh, Davies is doing something slightly different there, but there's a, there's a direct echo, I think. I think we can safely say. So I was pretty excited to find that. So look, I'm not making a strong case for In Time of Daffodils or for Cummings, but I think he's worth addressing. I thought I had addressed him on this podcast, actually, but it turns out I had totally skipped over my Cummings reading. So this is it for you. And whether you like the poem or not, I hope that wherever you're listening from, there is some element of it being a time of sweet things. <laughs> 